Uh, hi there, my name's Nathan. My name's Nathan Coston. Uh, over the next few weeks, uh, they've asked me to, to speak on, on marriage, so this one and three more, we're gonna, do, we're gonna do something on marriage. If you're not married, it's fine, because if you, uh, I think the, the stats are probably 90 some odd percent of the people will, will probably get married at least once in their life. But, uh, but yeah, it, it applies to all, and, and a lot of this, it's not marriage. When, you, when, we talk, when I talk about marriage, you know, I, I look at it as more than just marriage. I mean, it, it's bigger than just you and your spouse. But uh, we're going to be talking about that, what the Bible says about it, how it relates to Christianity. And when I say we're going to be talking about that, I will probably be asking questions. And so it's, it's interactive. I'm not a preacher, honestly. I'm just a lineman, <laughs> really. I'm looking out here. I'm seeing some of you. I've been in your driveway already before, so... You know, if your power goes out, I'm usually the guy that comes to some of you guys' house. So, but I, I'm not, I'm not a preacher, but we've been married, Sheila and I have been married for like 36 years. And uh, we've learned a lot about marriage the hard way. We learned, we've learned a lot about marriage after we started learning about marriage. Uh, but um, that's where we're going to be coming from. We're going to be coming from not just something that's, read something that's uh you know we we picked up along the way a lot of this stuff that we're going to be hearing is is either stuff we lived or we've talked to couples who've lived it you know so this is this is real stuff um also i want to i want to throw out there we're going to be using clips from the movie fireproof now yeah i know it came out several years ago if you've never seen it you need to grab a copy and take a look at it if you saw it years ago Go ahead and get a copy and take a look at it because it, it kind of gives you a refresher when you see these things. You're going to know you're, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be more versed, but I'll, everything we're talking about is going to play into that, and that, that movie really, really is a good resource. So anyhow, like I say, Sheila and I are proud to be here. Uh, we're, part of, we're part of Crossroads has a marriage team, and we're part of that, and, and with that we, along with the other couples, will meet with couples. Some couples are struggling, and we do, we do pre-marriage. Uh, pre-marriage counseling, not counseling, mentoring, you know, because how many know that uh, when you get married, you're going to face some problems? Yeah. Uh, say amen if you agree. Amen. Okay, well, you might have to say it that loud, but that's okay. <laughs> no, nah, because whenever, and especially pre-marriage, when you're, whenever you're walking into marriage, how many, raise your hand if you're married. I can't see a thing with these lights. Okay, oh boy, God. All right. whenever you got married, did you anticipate what marriage was going to be like? Well, I mean, on, when you were at the altar, and then a year later, did it look the same? No, because it's, it's usually not what you think about, you know, what you have built up in your head. And if you don't approach marriage with a plan, and if you don't approach marriage with your eyes open, even the smallest problems can turn into a crisis. You know, because I don't know why it is, but why is it toothpaste etiquette? Yeah. <laughs> you know where I'm going. Why is it the person that squeezes from the bottom marries the one that squeezes from the middle? And, and one of you will always leave the cap off and just drive the other one nuts, right? Okay. Toilet paper etiquette. Okay. There's always the argument over the top, under the bottom. You know, really... Just having toilet paper or there was, because I work with a bunch of guys. <laughs> I work with a bunch of guys, and it's amazing to me how you can go in there. I, I don't know. It must, it's, it's, a, 
it's an extreme amount of effort to take the cardboard tube off and put the other one on. So, so therefore, you just keep stacking on top. And <laughs> yeah, because guys are the worst at that. But when you get married, you don't anticipate that as a as a as a problem or as a, as an issue that's going to cause aggravation. It's just not one of those things you think about. And and several years ago, several years ago, a fellow I knew got married, and, and he and his wife had grown up together. They'd gone to the same church. They'd gone to the same school. Their families were friends. It was a great wedding. They went off on, on their honeymoon. They came back, moved into their house, got everything fixed up. And I saw him on Sunday. And I said, hey, bro, how's married life? Because that's what guys do. you know. And so how's married life? <laughs> and he said, it's terrible. It was not the answer I was looking for. I'm, how do you respond to that, Chad? I mean, because you're saying, ah. Do I really want to go there? Because I said, well, but I did. I dove in. And I says, well, why? He says, she's crazy, man. She's crazy. I said, okay, what did you do? Because obviously he had to have done something. He said, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> do you believe that? I had to have done something, right? I didn't do nothing. I said, well, no, tell me about this. He said, well, he said, you know, we moved in, got the house. She's got the house all decorated. She wanted to have some friends over, so I said, okay. And she said, well, she wanted to grill out. I said, okay. So I went out there and lit the grill before they came. I cleaned the grill off, got a little bit of grease on my hands, went in the house, and all I did, Nathan, was wash my hands. That's all I did. I said, really? That's all you did? Yeah. Washed my hands. She came in the bathroom, and she looked at me and says, what have you done? You've ruined the entire night. Are you stupid? She said, and then she said, you use the pretty towels. How many people, do you know what pretty towels are? See, not too many people here know what pretty towels are because I found that pretty towel people marry paper towel people usually. Okay. Pretty towels are the ones that you put out for the guest. I didn't grow up in a pretty towel house and neither did he. But she did. And she had her pretty towels out for when the guest showed up. And he, he, he cleaned off the grill, <laughs> washed his hands, and dried his hands off on the pretty towels, right? And so she hadn't been, she had, this was Sunday. She hadn't spoken to him since Friday night. <laughs> yeah, you can see where I'm, because he never saw this one coming. He was not prepared for that one right there. And, and here's the thing. If you, whenever you have these little issues, if you let them go unresolved, they will snowball on you, and if you're not careful, you're going to start asking yourself, did I marry the right person? Because you will. You'll start, you'll start questioning. Here, here's a, here's a, I'm going to tell you things that I've found to be true. One of the things I've found to be true is marriage is a, whole lot, is a whole lot less about finding the right person, and it's a whole lot more about being the right person. Okay, Because when you get married... You've got two people that are coming into this thing from two totally different worlds, and, and, and you're thinking, your world's fine. It's you, <laughs> right? But it's, it's, you have to learn how to be the right person. But the problem of it is, with the, men, with the, mentoring, per, with the mentoring program that we, that we are involved with, we try to help the couple not only prepare themselves to learn more about each other, but we try to prepare them to learn more about themselves, because there's a, like I say, the program's pretty in-depth. It goes on for about six months. And they learn a lot. And what we found out is, is that most couples nationally, if you, look at, if you just look at marriage as a whole, most couples 
will spend a lot of time, they'll spend a lot of money, they'll spend a lot of effort, and they'll spend a lot of planning on one day. One day. The wedding day. And they will spend practically no time planning on a marriage that's supposed to last them the rest of their life. There's the, I, I, I actually went online, did a little stat looking. All right, audience participation. Take a guess. What's the average cost of a wedding in the United States today? 30 grand. 30 grand. I got 30. Do I have 40? No. How much? 40. I got 40. Anybody else? How much? 25. I wish I, I told Sheila I was going to bring a sack of chocolate up here and throw, throw chocolate to the If I do that next week, we'll have everybody up front, you know. But, uh, yeah, $26,000 is the average. Now, the majority of people, it, it actually went on to say the majority of people will spend around ten grand or less. You better start saving your pocket, buddy. Okay, no more breakfast for you. Okay, but, but $26,000 is, is the average. Now, how long does it take to plan a wedding? A year? Yeah, it's 6 to 12 months. It's between this. 6 to 12 months is the average time it takes to plan a wedding in the United States. Uh, 50% of these weddings are going to end in divorce. Yeah, I, actually, first-time marriages, the stat I had, the first, first-time marriages, it's about 41%. Second marriages are 60-some-odd percent. Third marriages are 75%. Now, I mean, your, your law of averages of successful marriages keep going down as you marry more, statistically. All right, but, but say 50, 40, 40 to 50%. And that, guess how long the, of those first marriages that fail, guess what the length of time, the average length of time is? I got a seven, four, how, what, what? eight, eight's the average, eight's the average. Uh, this is just a, just a little tidbit that the hardest statistically, you know, and you can make stats do anything you want to, but statistically, the three hardest years of marriage, first year, seventh year, 20 years, Huh? First, yeah, uh, first seven and 20 are statistically the hardest years. Those are the ones when you experience. First year, you're trying to get adjusted. Seventh year, you're saying, did I marry the right person? In 20 years, you're saying, the kids are gone. Who are you? I mean, really, because you spent so much time pouring all your time and effort into children. You didn't pour any time into your marriage, which is wrong. But that's what happens. You wake up one morning, look across the breakfast table and says, I don't know who you are, and I don't think I like you either, you know? <laughs> I mean, it happens. It, it is. But here, if you fail to plan, plan to fail. That's, that's a saying I've heard a long time. But if you fail to plan, plan to fail. Sheila and I had no mentoring. None. We, here's where we are. We, we met. We went together like biscuits and gravy. Got engaged. Got pregnant, got married. It's a little backwards, but that's, I mean, that's, the way, that's how it happened for us. And, and what, a lot of our beginnings, we, we actually got behind the eight ball because we, we did things not necessarily the way we should have done things. 
And so with no mentoring, we all, all we had, our picture of marriage was what we had seen at home with our parents. And our, neither one of our parents had, uh, had marriages that would be something you'd say, man, that's an awesome marriage. Now, on the outside, people would have thought so. On the inside, not so much. And so when we, came to, when we actually got married, we had ideas of what we didn't want to do. I don't want to do this, and I do want to do this. But the problem was we knew what we didn't want to do. We knew what we did want to do, but we had no plan on how to get there. And if you don't have a plan and you don't know what you're doing and you have no direction, confusion and chaos are going to show up pretty doggone quick, and, and, and it's going to take hold. Your perception is going to change. Before you know it, all the things you find attractive about your spouse are going to take a back seat to everything that's defective about your spouse. Go ahead. But here's the thing. I, I don't mean to step on any. Well, who cares? I'll step on your toes. You're all defective. And so am I. Okay, everybody has defects. That makes you defective. But the problem of it is, is when you get married, you start looking at their defects. Come here a minute, Chad. I'm going to use you for a minute. This is a, yeah. My son, I I grew up with horses. I grew up with horses, and and I didn't train them, but I I was around horses all the time. It was always basically drilled into your head. If If you control the horse's head, you control the horse, Right? Zach's taking it to another level because I always control the outside of the horse's head. If you control his head out here, you can control the horse. Zach's taking it to a whole new level where he control, if, if you control the inside of the head, before you start trying to control the outside of the head, it's a lot easier. Am I the horse? You're the horse. <laughs> yes. But I'm making, you, I'm making you the head this time. <laughs> Okay, so here's the deal. Now, now if I don't have control of it, you squat down here, man. Get on your knees. Good night. If I don't have control of the inside of his head and I want to turn it this way, but he doesn't want to turn it this way, it's a little harder to do that. But if I can get inside his head to where I, 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 he's wanting to turn it this way, it's real easy to turn it this way. Now, if he should be focusing here, but I want him to focus over here, and I got his head, right? How many know you got an enemy who wants to take your marriage down? Okay, he does. And so here is the things you should be focusing on when you're married and your mate. But devil says, no, I'd rather you look over here because it make it, it's a whole lot easier on on me to accomplish my mission. And we do that all the time. We do that all the time because we will focus on all the things that that we think are wrong with them and won't pay any attention to the things that are right. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, 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 before you do that, how old are you? 44. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we lose, sight, we lose sight of what's attractive. We lose sight. So here's, here's Kyle, Fenton, I saw you out there. Tell me, yeah, tell me the first thing the very first thing that attracted you to Teresa? Look, well, be specific, dude. Her lips. All right. Do you want me to even come over here? <laughs> oh, man. Greg Short, first thing that attracted you to Amy? Her 
Huh? Her legs. Okay, All right, let's face it. Uh, most things, the first thing that attracts is usually a, is usually a visual. For me, it was Sheila's eyes and her smile. She doesn't see. Here's the thing: we met, and she doesn't even remember it. Yeah, we were at Teen Town. Anybody remember Teen Town? Besides, okay, okay, Teen Town and Karma, right? And she's up. She's you have you walk the balcony up there, and and so I ask her. I, I ask her to dance because I, you know, she was dark. I, I have a thing for dark-headed ladies, especially that one right there. Dark eyes, big smile. So I usually she was with Butch. That was her boyfriend. You right? Butch wasn't there. <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't. I, I didn't know where he was. I didn't care. I want to dance with that girl. I asked her to dance. She says, okay. She, we go downstairs. We're dancing. I'm, you know, I'm doing the, I'm doing the, I'm, I'm cool. I'm suave. Sheila's going, because she's looking for Butch, <laughs> right? She doesn't remember that at all. No, she doesn't remember that. I remember that night. She does not. We didn't actually start dating until I, maybe two years later, you know? Yeah. But I remember because I remember her smile. I remember her eyes. That was the first thing that attracted me to her. But the problem is there's, there are so many things that are much more attractive now than just a smile and eyes. But, the, but, but, but Satan will get a hold of your head and say, no, 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 no. I don't want you looking at that. Okay, let's face it. Lips will take you so far. Okay? Somewhere about the fifth year, okay, chapstick wore off. You know, it, it, because, because our, our initial attraction will only take us so far, and then you've got to go deeper, you know, and, and you have to actually start, sometimes you have to actually start being specific on what it is that's attracting you to there, because a lot of things that attract you, there's so many, good night, there's so many things that, are, that I find attractive that are just, I'm not going to put you on the spot, babe, we're good, okay, but that woman is quirky. And it's okay because there's some of them quirks I find hilariously, and I love them. You know, I, honestly, I don't know what she sees in me, but I'm good that she sees it, all right? <laughs> we ask couples all the time. We do pre-marriage with couples. We ask them all the time, why are you getting married? Now, what would the number one answer should be? Because I love her, right? We canceled with a couple one time, and the guy said, well, man, look at her. She's hot. Okay, but after three days of flu, that's probably not going to be the word that comes to mind. You know, you, it has to be something, something deeper than just that attraction. And so probably, most, like I say, probably most of you say, well, it's because we're in love, right? And, and which love is it? Is that the one where you get on the phone? What did you have for supper? Oh, I had a hamburger. What did you have? You know, and this conversation goes on for like two, three hours. I know, because I had a roommate that did this. It was like, just hang up, dude. <laughs> because the conversation went about nothing, but they just had to be on the phone because they was in love, right? And if you're feeling this, most people say you're in love, and you should get married. Oh, you're in love. You, you need to get married. So, so tonight I'm going to ask two questions. First one, first one is, what is love? What is love? Because there's a lot of definitions out there. Agree or disagree? You're going to love this one. How many people know who Vanessa Hudgens is? <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens, your, your, your kids know who Vanessa Hudgens is, okay? Evan, do you know who Vanessa Hudgens is, right? 
High School Musical, all right. Yes, yeah, Vanessa Hudgens, that, uh, that fount of wisdom. <laughs> if you really love someone, you shouldn't have to work at it. Yeah. Okay. You, you dry your hands on the pretty towels and tell me if you've got to work at it after that. Uh, yes, you're going to have to work at it. But, but this is, this is the, what she said. In reality, there's a lot of people out there that think that loving feelings should come naturally in relationships. So if you have to work at it, something's wrong. So people get married thinking, okay, we're just going to love each other forever and we're going to have loving feelings and get about a year into this thing and find out, man, I'm not feeling it right now. Therefore, something must be wrong. I picked the wrong person. I'm out of here. I got to go choose door number two. You know, you're going to, how many people are 50 or older? Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's because you will remember. Do you remember when Love Story came out? Love Story. Oh, yeah. Big movie. Had the theme song, won all kinds of awards. And the, and, and the, and the catchphrase of that movie was, love means never having to say you're sorry. Oh, Police. You go into marriage thinking that you don't have to work at it and you don't have to apologize and see how far that'll take you, you know, because, and this, but the problem of it is, as I've just named two quotes that came out of, of the entertainment driven society we live in, and that's truth, that's their truth that they're putting out there, that people, people who have no clue on what love is, they take this in and think, okay, well, this must, this must be it because, well, Vanessa Hudgens said so. You know, so, all right, so we're back to the question, what is love? Agree or disagree? I'm going to look at my time here. Oh, boy, I'm getting pretty close. Agree or disagree? Men and women have different ideas on how they view life. Agree or disagree? Agree. Okay, because it actually, if you agreed, you're, you're within like 70 some odd percent. They actually did a survey on this one too, <laughs> you know, but most people would agree that men and women have a different view on life. Men and women communicate differently. Yes or no? Yes. yes. I, I learned this one really quick. <laughs> really quick. First year of marriage, like I say, we're living, we're living in, in her parents' apartment that is across from her parents' backyard. We're not even going to talk about that one right there. That's, a, that's another whole night right there. <laughs> Sheila has Zach. He's 10 days old, somewhere around 10 days old. And from the time he was born, all those 10 days, what she was telling me was, was, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose this baby fat. Now, here's the thing. I, I want to, I fellas, I want to tell you a little kernel of truth here. Hang on to this one. Your wife is not your buddy. Okay. She may be your friend. She may be your best friend. I hope she's your best friend. She, she's a lot of things, but she is not your buddy. Because buddies are the ones that, that you drink coffee with and hang out around the campfire and, and you know, you go to work and you, you throw a jab and they throw a jab and everybody laughs. You say, man, it was a good one, right? Okay, we get home. We, we went to my dad's and my, my stepmother had made blackberry cobbler. And Sheila didn't eat any. And, but, but Marie said, here, you can take the, what's left home. There's about half a cobbler. And we take it home. I, we get to the house and I packed Zach in, I packed the play, because this is back before they had packing plays, you had the entire playpen, you know, packing it in. I walk into the kitchen, and there's Sheila. She's got her a slab, a blackberry cobbler, 
with a big old hunk of ice cream on top, fixing to tie into that thing. Now, I'm thinking my wife is my buddy, right? She's not my buddy. Because a buddy, a buddy says, well, baby, if you rub that on your hips, it'll get there faster. Yeah. Right, right now you're thinking, and you mentor couples? <laughs> yes, I do, because we learned a lot of things. Okay? You do not say that to your wife. Because what she did, she, she's a, yeah, you got to know this woman, she's a peach. She didn't say anything. She didn't throw a fit, nothing. She just looked at me. She took her bowl and she upended it into the pan of blackberry cobbler, picked up the pan, walked to the door, looked at me, opened the door and went, and out it goes in the backyard. Okay, I'm not picking it up and she's not picking it up. So, so nobody picks this thing up for, for like three days. Her dad, her dad who had a habit of coming across the yard and just coming in the house, came across the yard and came in the house and said, did you know there's a pan of blackberry cobbler out there in the yard? <laughs> Don't bring it up, Don. Because here's the thing, it was a sore subject because I, have, I made the mistake of thinking my wife was my buddy. You cannot treat your wife like your buddy. Communication. But now it works the other way too, ladies, because ladies, your husband is not your best girlfriend. Because with your best girlfriend, you can drop a hint and she reads between the lines and she automatically knows what you're thinking. And so it's November, right before Christmas, and you say to your husband, oh, I was, I was at, by the jewelry store today and they've got, the, oh, they've got the prettiest tennis bracelet there. That's your hint. And you're thinking, yes, this Christmas I'm getting a tennis bracelet, right? And your husband's thinking, man, I didn't even know she was into tennis. But later on that week, he says, you know, you know, so-and-so's wife made some chocolate chip cookies and brought them to work. How come you never make me chocolate chip cookies? She says, well, because I really don't have a mixer heavy duty enough. Okay. What she's saying is, I don't like to bake and I don't want a mixer. <laughs> and what he's hearing is, I'd get some cookies if she got some new tools. <laughs> so Christmas morning... Guess what happens when she's expecting a tennis bracelet and she opens up a mixer? <laughs> because we think our wives are our buddies. We think our husbands are our best girlfriends. And we, we communicate. We, we tend to communicate to them the way we would our friends. And you can't do that. But the problem of it is, is, is if you don't try to actually learn the other one's language, you're going to constantly be buying the wrong gift and saying the wrong thing. <laughs> Okay, we're fireproof. In the clip, in the clip, what we've got, we've got, we've got Caleb and Catherine. And Caleb is a fireman, and he and his wife are, are going through some marital difficulties. And so they both have turned to friends to actually get a bead on what they need to do. All right? You got that clip? Go for it. Honey, I agree with you. You got to get out. He don't deserve you. You can say that again. A real man's got to be a hero to his wife before he can be to anybody else. Or he ain't a real man. Catherine, do you need a place to stay? I can't imagine living in the same house with that man. No, I decided last night that I'm not the one that's leaving. He's the problem, not me. That's right, girl. Stand your ground. Make him respect you. If there's one thing a man understands... It's respect. That's the issue. That's the reason our marriage is failing. She shows me no respect at all. And the saddest part about it is... He doesn't have a clue. 
He thinks our marriage has been fine for the most part. Mm. You know, he probably thinks... Our marriage has been fine until this year. Now, all of a sudden, she goes off the deep end. Do you really think this happened all of a sudden? I don't know what to think. I don't understand her. She's emotional about everything. She's easily offended and way too sensitive. I mean, he's so insensitive. You know? He doesn't truly care how I feel. He doesn't listen to me. Even if I say it over and over and over again. And then she starts nagging me and, and saying I don't listen to her or, or something like that. It drives me crazy. I feel like I'm going insane. You know, he doesn't understand my needs. I feel like we are completely and totally incompatible. She's probably whining to her friends, making me sound like a criminal. I can see him all right now, crying, having some sort of group hug. It's gonna be okay, oh, sweetie. It's gonna be all right. You'll get through this. We So you think it's past the point of no return? I don't have a reason to return. Ouch. Okay. One word. I mean, it's a short clip, minute, something, seconds. What was it that Caleb was wanting? Okay. What was it that his wife Catherine was wanting? What was it? Love. Love. Okay. It's caring. Somebody you know, caring and understanding. Two different, two totally different languages. And the thing of it is, is, is there are, I think, I think we get hung up sometimes. And, and I, I spoke a little bit on this last year when I spoke. But there are two very distinct differences between men and women. Genesis, Genesis 5, 2, he says he created them male and female. I mean, that, that right there says he created them male and female. There's two different words right there. Have you got, uh, have you got Genesis 2, 7, 2, 20? Yeah, there you go. The Lord God formed man from the dust. Okay, that's what it says. He also formed the beast of the field. But it jumped down to 22. It says, then the Lord God made a woman. Two totally different words. Now, I want you to stop right here. I want you to think of God as a parent. Because, honestly, he was Adam's father. Because Adam didn't have another father. But I want you to think of God as a parent. It's always helpful if you think of, we talk about here, we talk about Papa God and, and Daddy God and all. But think of him as a parent. And he actually makes, he, he, he takes Adam, puts him in a deep sleep, and he's going to make him somebody suitable because Adam had nobody suitable. And so he takes a rib out and he makes a woman. I want you to think of, think of him as a dad. Have you ever gone Christmas shopping and you wanted to buy the perfect gift and you knew it was the perfect gift? Have you ever seen Red Rider? Okay, and dad's like... Okay, because God knew this was exactly what he needed. And it's like, oh, man, I've got the, I'm fixing the tape. Oh, they're going to run all over. You know, I mean, that's, that was him. I, God, is, God is so anxious. I, I really believe he was anxious to wake Adam up. Wake him up and show him what he gave him. You know, and Adam wakes up and says, whoa, man. He says, yeah, that's right. Whoa, man. Okay, it's, it's a time thing. You get there. All right, so, so, but he wakes, he wakes him up, and there she is. Eve was a fantastic gift for a lot of reasons. One of them is she was suitable for Adam. She was unlike anything he had ever seen, including himself. She was different. Okay, she was different. So, so basically, she was different from the start. And if you look at the words, the word formed is the word yatzer, squeeze into shape, mold into, mold into shape as a potter, basically a sculpting. 
So he, make, he takes a lump of clay, makes a dirt bag, sculpts it, breathes on it, and he's got Adam. <laughs> but Eve is, a to- is made. He made Eve. It's a totally different word, benah. It means to build piece at a time. He takes out a rib, not dirt, takes out a body part, and starts fashioning from a body part. It, it's, it's, it, you got to grasp this. It's two totally different processes on how, the, how, the, how a man and woman are, are put together totally different which if you put them together different don't you think they're going to operate different i mean they may both be humans but their operating systems are totally different here so not only are they created different but the, the, the thought processes the way they think is totally different ephesians 5:33. however each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband why are there two sets of instructions This is your part. Do what? Because he made him different. I mean, you got two different ways of thinking, two different ways of doing life. You're going to get two different sets of instructions. Okay, you love her, you respect him. That's how it's laid out. Now, I think I, I think I might have said this last year, but it's worth repeating. National survey. They ask. They ask men. They got a bunch of men together. If you're forced to choose between a feeling of alone and unloved or inadequate and disrespected, which would you prefer? 75% or 76% of the men chose, I would rather be alone and unloved as opposed to be inadequate and disrespected. And then a large portion of them had a complaint saying, what's the difference between being unloved and disrespected? See, because that's how that, that, that's, it's the same thing for guys. But it says right there, it says, all right, let's, let's, let's just start. I'm going to start with wives here just because it works better in my notes. But the wife must respect her husband. What does that look like to your husband, ladies? If you're married, what does that look like? What does respect look like to your husband? Because we've asked this to couples a lot. What does respect look like? And you get a blank look, and it's like, I don't know. Think about that. If you don't know what respect looks like to your husband then that means you don't know how to love your husband. And, and, and you can't go to another guy and say, what does respect look like to you? Because the other guy may not have the same view of how he wants to be, because everybody's different, right? So you have to actually talk to your husband to find out what does respect, what does it mean to you? And don't say, what's respect mean for you? You're on the clock, give me an answer. Because guys will not give you an answer right away. They may have to think about it for a day or two, but you know, and a lot of times it's like, I'll tell you when it happens. Guys, if you did, honestly, if, if, if she asks you that question, when she does something that really makes you feel respected, tell her when it happens. It may be three days later, but say, no, 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 no. You remember, this is what it feels like. What you did right there made me feel loved. And it may be the most random thing you think, gosh, that was easy, you know, but I didn't, I would have never thought that exactly. Because you don't think that way. It says, however, each one of you must also love his wife. Ooh, there's an interesting one. You know the word agape, agape, unconditional love. This is agapeo. It's a derivative. It's a verb. Now, I don't remember much about English. I remember nouns. Nouns identify. Adjectives are descriptive. And verbs are action. And agapeo is a verb, which means it's an action word. You have to actually be doing something. 
And I, this, is, this is really, when we do, when we do pre-marriage mentoring, we, we tell the couples, of course, we're not, we're not the police, but we tell them, okay, from this point on, you're in marriage prep. And if you want to do this biblically, if you're having sexual relations, they need to stop. Because think about this. Whenever the physical takes priority over the mental, you get things backwards. And what happens is you don't, you don't talk about deep things because you're too, you're too focused on going, on going to the physical things. And so it gets short-circuited, and there's a lot of deep conversations that never take place because you're so concentrating on physical that mental doesn't happen. And when mental doesn't happen, you don't know how to love your wife, and you don't know how to respect her because you never talked about it. Well, I mean, honestly, Sheila and I did a lot of things that were wrong. And it's not like the things we did right we did because we were intentional. We just, as God, the grace of God, I was, I was in Key West for several months of our, you know, our, our dating life. We actually were only together just a few months. We were, I was in Key West for several. They didn't have cell phones. Long distance cost you an arm and a leg. I mean, really, a long distance was, exp- how many remember expensive long distance? Okay, all right. We wrote letters. Oh, yeah, you write a letter, it's five days to, before she gets it, five days before you get one back. You know, it's like 10 days. So when you wrote a letter, you actually sat down and thought your letter through, you know. And so we, I think that's one of the things that was such a, we, we actually conversed on some deeper stuff in letters, you know, what, we, what our hopes were, what our dreams were, what, 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 we, what we, our core values were, you know, that, that took place there. So, anyhow, the mental, the mental and the physical is huge because you have, to, you, have to get to know, you have to get to know your spouse rather than just know about your spouse. Because you know a lot about them, but do you know them? Because you know, there's a lot of couples that have been married for a lot of years, and they still don't really know them because they never talked about those things. For men, for men love is, is often interpreted as respect. Okay, we, we, we saw that. I, she, she, she appreciates me as a provider. She appreciates me as a protector. You know, she appreciates my, if I'm a, a, the leadership capabilities. And for women, love is often interpreted as a high level of emotional intimacy. He actually is that into me. Because if, if your husband is actually that into you, he will probably pick up on the fact that you want a bracelet, not a mixer. <laughs> because he's, he's, he's learning to read between, because he's into you. He will be asking questions. He will be, he'll be researching that out. He'll be digging in there. He's not just a passive guy floating along the, you know, the train of life here. And, and a wife, well, I'll back up here. Because a, a wife that, that uh, shuts his wife out, gives one-word answers to really heartfelt questions. You know, what do you feel about this? Ah, I don't know. You know, that, that's, that's really not... That's really not digging in there. And I've got a question for you guys. It says, it says uh, Ephesians, it's in there that, that he must love his wife as he loves himself. It also talks about you got to love your wife as Christ loved the church. My question to you is, is when was the last time Jesus ever shut you out? When was the last time you asked Jesus something and he said, I don't know. Ah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Because the Lord doesn't do that to you. And if you're supposed to love your wife the same way he loves us, 
you know, then you probably need to be actually listening and, and getting in there. But ladies, here it says uh, you, uh, the, the wife must respect her husband. Proverbs 27, 15 says a constant dripping. Uh, see, a, 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 a quarrelsome wife is like a constant. Do we have that with her? Yes, a quarrelsome wife is like, is like a, a annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Ladies, do not be the biggest drip in the house, okay? Because it's just, it's just there, and, and you can't, it'll either drive you nuts or you'll just totally block everything out and just, you just won't, it just, you know? I, I think Catherine said in the video, I, I tell him, I tell him, if you've told him two or three times and he's still not, chances are number four is not going to make it happen. Really? And if it does, it's not going to happen in a way that you want it to happen? So, I mean, the, the dripping, the, it's, 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 in, it's biblical. Love your wives, respect your husbands, how you, but how do you go about that? Here's, here's a kicker. Men hear criticism. Now, don't, don't say, okay, well, I can never criticize my husband. I didn't say that. All right? But don't be his biggest critic. Because men hear criticism as contempt. And I'm not just saying that because I are one. And, and I, can, I can take something from somebody else, and, and honestly, I still struggle with this one today, is, is if, I, if I put it out there and Sheila says, yeah, but it's like, ah, you know, it's automatically my, my hair goes up because I don't, want, I, I, I don't want her to be my critic. I want her to be my cheerleader, right? But on the other hand, I have to get a handle on that one because I also want her to tell me the truth, I mean, there, there is a balance in there. But ladies, if, if, you are the, if you are the biggest critic in the room and not the biggest cheerleader in the room, you're going to have some problems because they hear criticism as contempt. Ladies generally hear silence as hostility. If, if you're sitting there and you're not saying anything, the first, what's the, ladies, what is the first thing that goes through your mind if your husband comes home and he's not talking? What is the first thing that goes through your mind? I can't. Something's wrong. Okay, now what's wrong? Mad. What did I do? Okay, and so it's hostility there. You get hostility comes comes into that thing, and hostility is basically enemies, walls, opposition. So whenever you actually guys, you come in, and you're silent. She's thinking, okay, I've, I'm feeling like I'm now the enemy. He's built in a wall up in here, and, 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 and I, I'm feeling that there's an opposition here. And, I don't, and women will generally handle that with, with visible pain. You'll see it on their face. It may be tears. It may be there's a lot of different ways it can show up. But the face of hostility is hostility. And if you're silent, you may not even, you may be upset about something, and it has nothing to do with her. But if you don't let her in on it and let her be part of it, She's, you built a wall and, and you don't want her in there, she's going to start feeling it. And what's going to happen is usually if she's feeling hostility, she's going to start asking you, what's wrong, 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 because she wants to get to the bottom of it. And it's, it's all of a sudden, next thing you know, she's dripping. She's dripping again, you know, and you get quieter and then you get mad and you stomp out, you know. So you have to, you have to actually get a handle on, 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 on what respect and love is with your own spouse, and this is going. This this basically is maybe how they interpret love, but we haven't even touched on what love is tonight. So I guess I got way too many notes for the time I got. 
We'll start, we'll start up there next week on, on basically what is love. All right? We're going to do what is love and then what's marriage for. So, Lord Jesus, Lord, I'm just asking that, that these words, I might have wrote them down, Lord, but I'm asking you that, I, that you would bless them to be yours. Lord, I'm asking that you would uh, make them soft enough to give healing and comfort, but sharp enough to, to punch a hole in the calloused heart, Lord. I'm, I'm just asking that, that if there are marriages that are, that are in this room tonight that are suffering, Lord, you would, you would open ears, open eyes, open hearts, and, and, and Lord, divinely put within them what they need to be a better spouse. Lord, not to, not to find somebody better, but to be somebody better. Lord, I'm asking that you just do a work in this, pour it forth, and Lord, just grow marriages within this church, within this region. I ask this in Jesus' name.